Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the Neek and Chuck Pro Football Talk Show. I am your host, Neek, and my co-host is my main man, my good friend, my buddy for years, better known as Chuck. How you feeling tonight, man? I'm doing outstanding, Neek. Another, like I always say, another another night, another opportunity to talk about football, even though it's the off-season. I got a little bit of withdrawal, but it's March, or actually it's the end of March. April will be here in a few days. The April comes. At the end of April, there's the draft. Then after the draft, then we got the rookie mini camps. We got uh, OTAs. We got uh, uh, training camp. I think training camp start, dude. Basically, football is back, dude. So, ain't got that much longer to wait. Only a few more months, and it's finally back. But, you know, it's always great to talk about football. Yeah, man, because, you know, after April, the draft coming up, April 27th, and then you got the rookie mini camps, and then, you know, you got the OTAs, which is early May. But, man, from, like, May 15th all the way through June is that suffering period. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's torture, man. I mean, yeah, July, we have training camps. They start around, you know, the 20th, around there, like 20th or the 21st, whatever. Some teams do something more early, but a lot of rookies report – to training camp, but man, it's just sorry, man, because you know you got that that baseball going on, and and you know we only watch TV like that no more. So, I mean, you know we ain't got to deal with all that bowling and golf and, um, and rugby and soccer and all that stuff. Even though soccer's not bad, but man, for us diehard football fans, whew, it's a struggle, man, for about a good good almost two months, man. But you know what, Neek? That's the time when I actually start watching basketball because that's when the the playoffs come around. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't seen four minutes of NBA basketball so far this year. Like I've seen none. I have no idea what's going on NBA. Don't care, and not one iota. But you know what? Around that time, like you said, end of May, mid May, towards the end of May, get into June. That's where the playoffs come. And then I start watching NBA basketball because, that, let's be real, 82, 82 games, uh, like, unless you're a diehard basketball fan, are you just freaking bored? Like, like why watch? Like, it's, it's, it's just it's just boring. Like, it ain't no point in, in watching NBA regular season game to me. And then players don't even really play because I had a, a guy, he's a friend of mine, he's a big uh, basketball fan here in uh, – um, L.A. and he was telling he's ah oh, guess the cast I guess the cast was maybe two or three weeks ago Cleveland Cavaliers was here in L.A. I forget who they were playing I don't know if they were playing the Lakers or the Clippers either one but he was telling me LeBron set out 
uh, Kyrie Irving set out and whoever the other big star set out that game. So all them fans excited to come to see. I will go go see, pay pay all this money go see LeBron LeBron James play. Nope, you saw LeBron James sitting as you paid all that's what you paid all that money for. So you know what? So NBA playoffs, I think that's gonna be able to get us through that that little dead period, that little uh, uh you know um, desert period right before the season starts. Uh, ramping up the preseason, the football start ramping up. So, NBA NBA playoffs is finally good for something. Man, Chuck, <clears throat> you know I love you, man, but you threw me off guard with that four minutes, man. <laughs> that was just so random. My boy said, I've only seen four minutes. I was not two minutes, not three, not even ten. My main man said, four minutes. <laughs> That's yeah, because I had I had I stopped because I was gonna take like a minute, but that that's a lie. You know, we always try to keep it real with the fans on here, so I try to be as accurate as possible. You know, I seen more than me. Just at at my job, we have all these TVs and stuff, and occasionally, you know, go down to lunch or we have like a potluck or something. Uh, go down there and they might have a game on. I might go to a restaurant, sports bar, or something like that, and they got NBA on the screen. And I look up, you know, so I calculated in my head. In total, it's been about four minutes. <laughs> All right, man. All right, man. four minutes. All right, that's that's funny, man. <laughs> no, not four <laughs> not minutes. Four. Not four minutes. Four minutes. Four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four, four minutes. <laughs> All right, but anyway, Chuck, you know what I was thinking, man? I already got a plan out of my head, and I'm so hyped about this, man, because I was just thinking today. I said, man, in 2020, which is three years from now. We'll be hitting a special milestone at our birthday in our life, but I ain't even going to say it on air because I can't put our face out there like that in 2020. But I was thinking, you know what, Chuck? In 2020, what we going to do for this big milestone? We going to go to Vegas, man. We going to go to Vegas. We going to live it up. We going to have a good old time. When we get down to Vegas, like I said, I got it planned out that Friday night, we're going we to get settled, get situated and everything. And then after we get situated, we're going to go to the casino. It could be the wind. It can be hard ride, gold nugget, whatever, man. We'll figure that out, whatever. But when we get to that casino, you know we got to go to that crap table. You know it, right? So you know I'm going to hit that hard eight, man. I'm going to feel lucky. I'm going to feel good that night. That hard eight, man. That hard six is going to be coming that night. We're going to big and hit it big. Then you know Saturday, we're going to do some fun stuff, man. Go out and enjoy ourselves. And then on Sunday, you know, after uh, after two long nights, a great fun weekend, you know, we're going to get up in the morning. We're going to check out. Now, Chuck, let me ask this question. During this time period, when we check out, are we going to take our ass to the airport? No, sir. We ain't going to the airport. You know why, fans? Because we're going to be going to the Las Vegas Raiders Dome, the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium our show, and we are going to tailgate with the Raider Nation and all the Raiders fans. We are going to be there tailgating that Sunday morning, and then, you know, after we get done doing our show and tailgate with our Raider Nation fans and friends and Vegas fans and friends, we are going to go inside the new Raider Stadium Dome, and we're going to sit down, you and I, and we're going to enjoy us some football, because in the remembrance of the legendary great Raiders owner, Al Davis, we're going to see some speed Speed, speed that day, and that is going to be a beautiful weekend, Chuck. Oh, my gosh. 20 hours of straight fun. That's how we're going to do it in 2020. That's how we're going to celebrate our milestone birthday. We're going to have a great time, man. Does that sound like a great weekend plan to you, man? Sounds fantastic. 
All right, sounds fantastic. But I just had to clear the air. And you know where I'm getting at, man, because it was just announced. It was just announced that the NFL owners voted 31 to 1. I can't believe somebody voted that one, man. And that was uh, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross to allow Mark Davis, the sole owner of the Oakland Raiders, to move the Raiders franchise to Las Vegas. Now, first off, now that the Raiders are moving to Vegas, they joined the Los Angeles Chargers and the Rams as teams that have announced relocation since last year. Now, the NFL levies a fee for any team that relocates, and the money is shared equally among the other 31 NFL franchises. Each team will have ranked in more than $53 million. $53 million, man. From the three recent relocations when all payments are processed. Now, the relocation fee for the Raiders is expected to be much cheaper, between $325 and $375 million, whereas the Rams and Chargers, when they moved to L.A., their relocation fee was $650 million. Woo, that's a lot of money right there. Now, how do I feel about this move? How do I feel about my Oakland Raiders going to Sin City? Just seeing, baby, and just winning Sin City, baby. I love it, man. I mean, I really do, man. I feel like it's about time, you know, um, as a fan. You know, I don't live in Oakland. I feel bad for the fans out there because, I mean, you know, man, you know how Raider Nation is, man. They die hard, especially in Oakland. Uh, I'm not going to talk bad about the city. I haven't been in Oakland like that. So, I mean, you know, growing up, you know, we used to listen to that West Coast rap music. <laughs> you know, Too Short and Spice One, man, talk bad about East Oakland. But that's just East Oakland, man. But, you know, I've heard from friends that, you know, Oakland is a is a pretty uh, nice city, man. But, you know, like I said, I can't speak too much on it. But I feel bad. But, you know, the blame for this move, it needs to go straight to Oakland mayor. Libby Schaaf, yep, I'm shot to fire tonight from Nick to you, because Mayor Schaaf, you got to understand, how in the hell do you have the nerves to wait to the last minute to send a proposal in as handwritten to Commissioner Goodell? Now, Raiders fans, they deserve better, man, because Schaaf, you have spent years, from what I've heard from other Raiders fans, and, you know, I keep up the Raiders, so that's my second favorite team, you know, to the New York Giants. But you have pretty much been years not really caring about the Raiders. Now, since you got a big old threat, Mark Davis has been talking about, the public has been talking about it, that there's a possibility that he could be moving. Now, all of a sudden, at the last minute, you want to act like you care about this, you know? I mean, because the bottom line, man, big shout out to my boy Duke and Minister Society. You know, I, can, I ain't going to curse right here on air, but, you know, she effed up. You know you done effed up, right? She sure did, man, seriously. Because you done effed up in the worst way, man. You do not underestimate. Mark Davis, I understand he's not a billionaire, but he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of ties. He's got a lot of close connections. But she thought she could squeeze him, and and actually in the end, guess what happened? She got caught bluffing. Seriously, man. And so the other thing I have is that, you know, you got to keep in mind, the Oakland Alameda Coliseum is an old-ass stadium. We're talking about 51 years old. And the Raiders, they played their first game at this stadium back in 1966. I mean, this stadium needs so many multiple upgrades, ASAP. Even Mark Davis has talked about this, you know. And, 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 and you know, 
I know, Chuck, me and you were not 51 years old, but when you get tired and tired of seeing your favorite team, players getting tackled on first base, on second base, on third base, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seriously, man. I mean, I got sick and tired of seeing that. But, you know, what, what really did it was that the renewal of the Oakland A's, you know, they renewed, um, they signed a 10-year lease was pretty much which was the nail in the coffin for Mark Davis. And I basically mean, I feel, believe that when he saw that, he was like, you know what, I'm out. I'm good. Forget this, man, I'm out. So, I mean, I don't blame him, man. You know, he got tired of sharing a stadium. You know, he's not going to share a baseball stadium for the next 10 years, and this stadium needs so many upgrades. I mean, I've heard from fans were talking about it's so bad out there when it rains, um, uh, um, the uh, luxury box, the the seats in there. I mean, they get soaked and wet in there as well. I mean, there's cracks off in the ceilings and stuff, man. I mean, it's pretty much. I heard one guy was talking about he was in the restroom, and when it rained so bad, I mean, he was getting soaked while he was on the toilet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was complaining about it. So, man, with that being said, man, I mean, I really believe that Mark Davis truly wanted to keep the Raiders in Oakland. But he knew he he knew it wasn't gonna happen, and he decided to go with Vegas. I mean, in Vegas he can build the stadium that he wanted, which is going to seat sixty five thousand plus, and is also going to be a dome stadium. And lastly, I know that my main man, his papa, Al Speed 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 Davis, you know, was proud of him for this move because you gotta understand, you gotta remember that. Mr. Davis was constantly trying to find a permanent home for his franchise, which explains the moves from Oakland to L.A. in 1982 and back to Oakland in 1995. So with that being said, man, I love this move, Raider Nation. I know a lot of you guys are torn, upset about this, but we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to go to Vegas. We're going to have a good time. Chuck and I are going to do our show out there 2020. Come and party with us. Come and have a good time with us. Raider Nation, I love you guys. But, Chuck, I got to turn the mic over to you, man. I got to get your take on this. How you feel about this move? Well, you know, I always uh, see things. I, well, I won't say always, but most of the time I see things differently uh, on many issues. And this is one of those issues. Uh, I don't blame the mayor. I think actually I I applaud the mayor for not falling into the NFL trap. And what I mean by the NFL trap is NFL teams make the city or they hold the city's hostage where they're at when it comes to building building a new stadium. They, uh, I don't know what the exact numbers were for this particular stadium. I, I know that in Las Vegas, they're supposed to be building a $1.9 billion stadium. I don't know what the proposal was for in Oakland. But as we know, all teams want the citizens of that city to pay for the stadium, whether they are football fans or not, whether they can afford, even if they are fans, even if they can afford to go to these games or not, your tax dollars is going in to build this facility where these rich men or rich families or whatever who own these teams are going to collect money on it. And the only so-called return 
on this is that you have an NFL city or NFL team in your city. Uh, you got vendors that make a little money, hotels make a little money. Uh, you know, what's the 18, 18 weeks out of the year, unless you go to the playoffs. Hotels make a little money. Uh, these vendors make a little money. Uh, and whatever other little incentives, you know, that you get on game day where people come in and spend money in that particular city. So that's your return. So that's supposed to be your return on your investment. So I'm just looking here quickly, uh, and it looks like in, in Vegas, Las Vegas is putting up $750 million of public money to go towards this stadium. Now, is Vegas, are, now are the citizens of Las Vegas going to make $750 million in terms of the, the money they make on Sundays? And are they going to get that return on the Raiders moving to that city? Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know how the math will work. I'm not an accountant. I was an engineer. I'm not an accountant. And so, and I, and plus, I think it would probably be a damn near impossible to actually be able to count to the to account to the penny how much return, how much money uh, the city will make uh, bringing bringing a team to the city. So, the whole thing I'm driving at is that the mayor of, of the way I'm hearing it, the mayor of Oakland did not want to contribute public money to the building of the stadium. Now, I'm slightly familiar with this because my Cincinnati Bengals, probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, whatever, we had the same delivery with our team where uh, Mike Brown, the owner of the team, was threatening to move the team unless the city contributed to the cost of the stadium. And he ended up winning. And you know what? Our city ended up winning because looking back on it, I think the Paul Brown Stadium was only like $350 million. So if you look at it, that's like a hell of a discount. Less than 20 years ago, and you jumped from $350 million to $1.9 billion. So maybe we lucked out in that aspect and that we got and that the city gave in. And so we still have that team in our city. That's fine. But I'm not going to knock the mayor of Oakland for not being held hostage to the beast that is the NFL and the NFL teams. Now, do I blame uh, the Raiders, uh, the owners of the Raiders? No. Who wouldn't want uh, somebody else to control? If I'm building a house and I get somebody else, hey, hey, you want to pay? You want to pay for half of this? Cool. I don't blame them going after that, but I can't blame the mayor either because when it comes when it comes down to it. Not every person that lives in Oakland is a Raiders fan. I, I don't I don't know what the numbers are. I say half the people are football fans, whatever. I don't know. Her responsibility is to the city. And then in her opinion, she didn't think it was good for the city that they put all this money towards building uh, a stadium where the owners, they're going to pocket the majority of the money. And the owners, they're saying, oh, well, you have an NFL team in your city. When, when game, when we have games, look at all the vendors gonna make all this money. Look at the hotels gonna make money, dude. NFL, it's only eighteen weeks. It's only eighteen weeks. It's only you only play eighteen get. Oh, not not even eighteen. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. It's only what uh, ten games, eight regular season, two uh, preseason games, and then if you go to the playoffs, it's so it's freaking ten games. 
So for 10 weekends, you're telling me I'm going to get a, a return, a 10 weekends out of a, out of an entire year. And then the rest of that time, that place is going to be empty unless, you know, there's a big concert or something like that. You know, a, a huge concert. I'm talking like, uh, what's that? The, the, the chick with huge, huge megastar. I don't know. Taylor Swift. That's just a Taylor Swift concert. Like they ain't going out. You know what I mean? They ain't going to fill up for no, um, you know, for no, uh, uh, for the game concert, he ain't gonna sell out no stadium. But Taylor Swift may. So for most of the year, this place is gonna remain empty, except for the Oakland. They gonna have their offices in there or whatever. They are gonna use it for practice. So I can't blame the mayor for that. I know she probably getting a lot of hate and all this other stuff. But you know what? She stuck to her gun. She, I think she did what's best for the city. Uh, and I think as financially as it goes. Uh, she didn't want to contribute. She didn't want to fall in the trap. She didn't want to get held hostage by this team. And she said, look, we will work with you, but we ain't, we ain't paying for this joint. Especially if we're not going to get, if, especially if you're going to keep all the money, you're going to keep the parking. You're going to keep the concession. You're going to keep this. You're going to keep that. So all we're doing is paying your rent and we can't even sleep in the, sleep on the couch. So I don't blame her for that. You know what? And, and I can't blame the NFL either because they're a monster. They're a beast. You know what? They, they It's a business. They do what's best for the business. Las Vegas, you know what? Hey, we'll see how it works out, you know? But the residents of Las Vegas, uh, but I don't even think they don't have any uh, tax. They don't have no... Do they have local tax in Vegas? I don't even think they have yeah, state tax. Yeah, there's no state income tax in Vegas. Right. So I don't know where Vegas is getting this money from. So it's a good look for Vegas. You know, because maybe the taxpayers don't have to uh, don't have to foot the bill, and if that's the case, great. Because you think about it, you you got, you paying for the stadium, your taxes are going to pay for the stadium, and you got to pay for a ticket. And then you have to pay for a ticket to go there, and then you have to pay for everything when you get there. So you spending all this money, and what do you get in return? Three hours of entertainment. Yeah, you know, and some and some, and I guess an identity to. Uh, because you know, super fans, we put our personalities and we identify with our teams. You know, that's why that's why we're fans. We're fanatics. Mm-hmm. You know what? But everybody, your neighbor, all your neighbors aren't fans. They just regular people. They might even not like football. You know, they they might even they just might like their team. I don't know. You know, so I don't knock the mayor. I know she's getting a lot of heat, but. In my opinion, I think it was a smart move on her. May she, she may lose the next election because of this. I don't know. But you know what? I think the city of Oakland uh, is will be better financially served than paying half of a $1.9 billion stadium uh, when that money can go to other, you know, go, go towards other things. Uh, but now, you know, they got a big-ass empty stadium. I don't even know if they stated was actually in the city of Oakland. Was the stadium in Oakland? Yeah, it's right in Oakland, yep. Yeah, so now they got a big-ass empty building, you know. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with that. So that's a waste of land. Tear that mug down and build a park or something. I don't know. Something for the, well, for the citizens. Well, well, Chuck, you know, they still got the uh, the A's. I mean, the A's just signed a 10-year deal. <laughs> so Oh, and, the that, and that piece of junk, yeah, so... <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so now they got now they got boring ass baseball. They can go there. They can use it for that. So. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 the beast, man. Like it's it's nobody's fault. I don't think. But the point I'm trying to make is nobody's fault. It's just right. the nature of the beast. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it, yeah, and it's business. 
and his cutthroat business. These NFL owners are sharks. As much as they, as much as they say it, don't believe it. They don't give a damn about you. Nah, they, don't they, sure damn don't. About, they don't give a damn about us. Let me let me put mm-hmm. it that way. And I know you mentioned earlier that uh, Al Davis' son, what's his name? Mark Davis. Mark Davis tried his best to stay in Oakland. I don't know. I don't know to do personally, but I, I I am pretty sure he's not heartbroken over leaving nah, Oakland. Nah. So that nah, nah. so if that's the case, I don't think he really cared either way whether he stayed in Oakland or not. He just wanted the best deal, just like the cat for uh, the Chargers. You know, they put on that good they put on that good PR face. But I was told from a guy who's in the top echelon at one of the major uh, sports networks that my company partners with, uh, and I'm cool with me and him talk football and stuff like that, he told me that uh, the owner of the Chargers, just by moving from San Diego to L.A., he uh, increased his team's value to over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So who wouldn't? So anybody listening, anybody airways who like, let's be real. Like, okay, you gonna hurt a couple thousand people, a couple hundred thousand people's feelings, or are you gonna, uh, are you gonna make a move that's gonna put your business worth over a billion dollars? Come on, mm-hmm. that's not like I understand as fans, <clears throat> we get emotional. We're emotional humans and emotional creatures. We don't think logically, but if you step back and think logically, like, who wouldn't make that move? You know what? Right. You, you hurt, hurt a couple people's feelings, and you move a hundred miles up the road. Like, come on, mm-hmm. like, like this. It's a no-brainer. Just like this thing in Vegas, it's a no-brainer. Somebody is offering to pay a majority, not a majority, but a good chunk of your one point nine billion dollar bill. Right. Come on, you got you, you <clears throat> take that, and maybe hopefully it work out for all parties. The city of Oakland spend that money on something else. You know, uh, you know the Raiders. Raiders said they lose out. You know, on they actually they don't lose out on Sunday. They just gotta pay a little bit more. So instead, instead of paying that two hundred and fifty dollars for two tickets to the to the Raiders game, now you gotta pay three hundred dollars plus get your air t- airplane ticket <laughs> plus get your hotel room. Uh, so that so that that one that two fifty to turn into a thousand dollars. So now mm-hmm. you gotta pay a little bit. So now you gotta pay a little bit more money, and I'm fine with that because now you, as the fan, you're paying, you're paying, you're, you're paying that uh, premium to go watch the sports you love instead of your neighbors having to chip in their tax dollars to contribute to something they don't even they don't even uh, participate in. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like all the. It's, you know, when uh, President Barack Obama was trying to move that health care through, uh, the argument from the other side was, oh, why do I got to pay? Why do I got to spend my tax dollars uh, for somebody else to go to the doctor? What's the difference? What's the same thing? Why do I got to spend my tax dollars uh, to build a stadium? I don't, even, I don't even like football. So yeah. it's, it's the same It's the same logic there. So like I said, man, I, I don't blame the mayor at all. I think it was a smart move on her, uh, by her part. Uh, I don't think she could have won at all because she wasn't going to put public money towards the stadium. And that, right. that was a deal breaker. So, so Mark Davis, I don't think he ever, I think that was his main point. Like, yo, she ain't going to come up off of it. I'm out. All right. All right. Good point, Chuck, man. That's why I love talking and doing this show with you, man. Cause I get my side, you give your side, man. Good job, man. All right. 
We got to get to the AFC East free agency recap. But before we do, let me pass on to you fans just some updated NFL free agency news. The Eagles signed veteran pass rusher Chris Long, who just turned 32 years old, had four sacks last year to a two-year deal, which isn't a bad move. I mean, you get a veteran pass rusher. He's a smart locker room guy. So I think this is a pretty good signing. Uh, Bengals released Ray Malaluga after they signed uh, middle linebacker Kevin Minter. Um, he, Minter had 81 tackles and three and a half sacks last year. Real quick, Chuck, one minute. I know you're a Bengals fan, man. Do you like this pickup, man? Of Kevin Minter? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think it was good, good pickup. I believe he's four years younger than Ray Malaluga. Uh, he's faster than Ray Maluga. I think Ray Maluga was very good against the run. But as we all know, this is a passing league, and pass coverage was his weakness. Uh, and we played AFC North where we have some pretty speedy and uh, athletic uh, running backs. And I just think uh, Ray Maluga, it, it was time for him to go. Um, like like those folks say, I, to the military people, I say this to Ray Maluga. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Uh, you know, you know, time is up. You know what I mean? So, you know, we got we got a younger guy in there. Uh, a guy that I think he played all 16 games last year. Younger guy, uh, quicker guy, faster guy. So, yes, I like it. All right. And Kevin Mentor fans, he is coming into the prime of his career. Um, like I said, good, good season last year. Coming from 3-4 defense will be playing in the 4-3 defense, so I don't think it's be too hard to make that adjustment uh, for him. All right, AFC East, free agency recap. Let's start with these bills. And, fans, what we're going to do here for the next 15 minutes left in the show, we're just going to run through this AFC East, and I'm going to talk about some of the key signings. And we're going to talk about still a lot of these teams in this division have a quite a few questions that still need to be addressed. Will it be addressed um, during draft night or draft weekend? or would be addressed after uh, June 1st, uh, veteran cuts, or maybe later in the summer getting close to the start of the season. Or maybe some of these teams would say, you know what, like the Jets, we'll wait to 2018. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. Bills, they signed uh, wide receiver Andre Holmes, former Oakland Raiders, wide receiver, 6'4", 210 guy, big guy. Um, they also signed uh, former Panthers wide receiver Corey Brown, who had 27 catches last season. And they also signed two fullbacks, which is kind of shocking today um, in the NFL. They signed Patrick DeMarco and Mike Tolbert and also added a former third-round um, Oregon State pass rusher defense in Scott Cricken, um, also cornerback Leonard Johnson, defense in Ryan Davis, strong safety Michael Hyde, who had 58 tackles, a sack of three picks last year for the Packers, and free safety Jordan Poirier. Now, I look at this Bills team, man. I'm sitting here. Looking, here's my questions for this Bills franchise. You got Sammy Watkins as your number one wide receiver. Now, we understand Sammy's got those foot issues. Hopefully, Sammy can finally stay healthy for a full season uh, this upcoming season. But who's going to be the number two guy? I mean, you know, you lose Robert Woods, who was number two last year. He signed with the uh, Rams. But you bring in Andre Holmes. Andre Holmes was buried on the Raiders' death chart last year, number four wide receiver, only had 14 catches. I mean, because we, I mean, we barely really used him, um, you know, but he's a big red zone um, threat. So maybe he'll get more touches, a lot of more run, if he can, you know, learn the playbook and, 
and show something in the training camp. So maybe he could be a number two wide receiver, but that's a big jump for him. Uh, Corey Brown, I mean, Corey Brown, when you still had Brandon Marshall out there and Alshon Jeffrey and, and even Torrey Smith, but you bring in Corey Brown thinking he might have a shot to be your number two wide receiver. So I'm just looking at this Bills wide receiver core, man. I'm just like, wow, man, because Watkins might not be healthy that much this year. I mean, you're going to need number two guy who's almost a number one. So maybe they go in the draft and get Mike Williams or uh, Corey Davis. So we'll see about that. And then my other question is, who's going to be the number one corner opposite Ronald Darby? I mean, Stephon Gilmer's gone. Is it going to be the young guy, Seymour, or Marcus Robinson, former Gator? Um, that remains to be seen as well. And then my other question is, what kind of offense are we going to see next season with, with the two fullback signing? I mean, are we going – is this Bill's offense, we know they're predicated on running the football. They're damn good at running the football last year. Uh, one of the top rushing offenses in the NFL. But these two fullback signings, it's going to be smash-mouth football because we know it gets cold up in Orchard Park. So um, so that's going to be remaining to be seen. So those are some of my questions. Chuck, what about you, man? You got any questions for this Bill's team? Nah, not at this time. I mean, you know, we haven't even made it to the draft. Uh, but you brought up some good points. Uh, obviously, they're going to go after a wide receiver, you know, and it'll be a good story for, you know, Mike Williams to team up with his Clem- with his fellow Clemson alum, Sammy Watkins. That'd be a nice story. But you still got the quarterback situation. Yeah, Tyrod <laughs> Taylor, he made – Tyrod Taylor, he made uh, some progress last year. He took care of the ball. That was big. Last year, 17 touchdowns, only six interceptions. He took care of the ball. Uh, he had an okay uh, passing complete, uh, you know, uh, completion percentage at 61.7%. But obviously, he's not he's not the strength. Passing is not the strength of this offense, like you mentioned. They had a strong running game. But to win football games in this league, especially in the AFC East, with the New England Patriots, you're going to need to be able to pass. You're going to need to be able to put up some points. Last year, they finished 1-5 and five in the AFC East. So they really do have to address that that wide receiver position, like you mentioned, uh, continue with the running game where it's at. And that defense has to step up. I mean, they were terrible against the run last year. Uh, but you know what? Rex Ryan is out. Rob Ryan is out. So we see what the new regime does with the team. But – no, nah, no questions right now. We just see what they do, and they they got a lot of things they need to address in the draft. And fortunate for them, there's a lot of talent in this draft. You just gotta be smart with smart with your picks. Uh, yes, going after the best player available, that's what you want to do. But you got some holes and some and some key positions, and you need to address those in the draft somehow. <clears throat> All right, New York Jets. And Jets, 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 Jets fans, I'm just going to say this, man. I wish we had an intern in here in the studio and could just play this old MC Hammer song. That's why we pray, 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 pray. We got to pray just to make it. <laughs> Seriously, man, because this Jets team, man, Jets fans, they're going to be doing a lot of praying. They praying for 2018 because anytime this offseason, you bring in old Josh McCown, old McCown boy coming on in, and pretty much he's pretty much your starter right now. I understand Ty Bowles going to sit here and say, oh, it's a quarterback competition. Well, of course it is. But you have, you know, Christian Hackenberg, Bryce Petty, and old McCown boy. And let's just be honest, man. McCown boy is probably going to be starting day one because I don't see the Jets 
taking the quarterback in this draft because they're waiting to 2018. This team is terrible. I mean, they're they pretty much going through a deconstruction process right now. They're just breaking this team down. I mean, hell, you get rid of Brandon Marshall. I even heard Eric Decker might be on the block. He might be next to go. So with that being said, man, they're getting rid of everybody. So this team is all about 2018. And then you bring in Kelvin Beecham. Really? Kelvin Beecham? You already know how both of you and I feel about Kelvin Beecham. And he's going to be trying to block McCown. And we know McCown hasn't been able to stay healthy the last few years. McCown might be done by week two with Kelvin Beecham blocking his blind side. Come on, get out of here, man. What the hell is this team doing? They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're waiting for 2018. Once again, pray, pray. That's what you're going to have to do, Jets fans, because 2017 is not your year. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Uh, Jets, I can already predict this. They're gonna be terrible next year. Uh, they're gonna be really bad. I mean, you went five and eleven last year. I'm thinking you might go three and thirteen this coming year because you have so many. Like like you said, Nick, it's it's reconstruction. It's a tear down. They have to do what your boy Big Red in uh, Oakland did. Is they gotta just just. Strip it, strip things away, strip, strip, just strip the offense, strip the defense, strip the special team, strip everything, and then just start bringing in those pieces and building and continue to build back up, continue to build back up because I see nothing on the offensive side of the ball, I see nothing on the defensive side of the ball that uh, I would be happy with. And just bringing in Kelvin Beecham to be your starting left tackle, that's just signs to me that you are either desperate or you don't know what the hell you're doing. And Either way it goes, that's a bad look for this upcoming season. So, Jets fans, uh, get your bottle of Patron, something. <laughs> <laughs> y'all going to need something to get through this season. Uh, but you know we love y'all because y'all was – some of y'all fans were so, so gracious. So, it was just great hanging out with y'all when Nick and I and our boy Rudy Rude – uh, went to the, what was the 2005-2006 NFL, yep. NFL draft when Rachel Bush was in that class. I remember my Bengals draft, Jonathan Joseph, that year. And we were just in line outside of jab, draft, uh, kicking it with those Jets fans. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So we got mad love for you Jets fans. So we're going to bring a Costco-sized box of tissues for you because you're going to need it next year. All right. Two things I want to say, man, before I move on these Dolphins real quick, because I know we run low on time. Man, Kelvin Beecham, you know, man, early in the show I had shots fired at at Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf, man. I got to have some shots fired at you. You know what I feel about you, man? You you know how I really feel about your game? Uh, Coach, his game is a little too horrible. He need to get cut. And you know what else going to happen? Man, when 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 opposing pass rushers go against you, man, they gonna have so much fun. They gonna tell the next man, guess what? Step aside, Butch. Exactly. Step aside, Butch. Let me get him next. <laughs> That's what they gonna do to Kevin Beecham's ass. <laughs> anyway, man, let's move on. Let's go down to Miami. Miami Dolphins made a lot of moves this offseason. They traded for Julius Thomas. Um, they also signed. Former Steelers, middle linebacker Lawrence Timmons, who had 114 tackles last year, two and a half sacks. They signed free safety Nate Allen, who had two interceptions in the limited row with the Raiders, guard Ted Larson, and they also traded for uh, former Rams defensive end William Hayes, who had five sacks, and they also signed tight end Anthony Fasano. So Dolphins made some pretty good, solid moves. But my question for the Dolphins is this. Mike Linebacker, I know you got Kiki Alonso, who balled out last year. But Lawrence Timmons, man, he's been a Mike linebacker his whole career. So is he going to move to weak side 
Or, you know, I I don't know. Maybe they'll figure it out come training camp. Also, they need to find a weak side linebacker because Misi is not the answer. Or maybe move uh, Nevin Hewitt, who has 64 tackles, maybe move him over. And then also, who's going to start at right guard? I mean, is it going to be Urbic or is it going to be Larson, who they just brought in? So, Dolphins, I like the direction they're going, um, but they still have some holes, man. And and that secondary, I still ain't sold on Maxwell, even though he showed me something. Lippert showed me something. They both improved. But, you know, they got to do it in year two together. And I'm not sold on Nate Allen. I don't know if he can stay healthy at free safety. So, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. Um offseason. It's going to be interesting to see what they do at the draft. Yeah, and Mike Tannenbaum, I always talk bad about him, but you know what? He's getting a little bit better every year. I mean, he's made some dumb moves like Rainer and Maxwell with that same dumbass contract and some other moves, but you know what? He's steadily getting better. He makes, sometimes he does some good things, sometimes he does his bad things, uh, but you know what? Last year, this Miami Dolphins team, it was 10-6, pretty damn good year, but moving forward, if they want to go somewhere, man, they really... Two things need to happen. Ryan Tannehill really needs to step his game up, continue to step his game up, continue to protect the ball, uh, and, and continue to be accurate with his passes and stay healthy. Uh, and then on the defense side of the ball, man, they really got to address that run game. You got all these high-paid uh, <laughs> free agents on this defensive side of the ball. You can't be giving up the ass like that, especially in the running game. All right. <clears throat> Last team in this division, the king of the division, man. You know, bottom line, Patriots looking down at the rest of these teams. Big shout out to Run DMC because they singing that song. You down with the king? You down with the king? Yes, sir. Because <laughs> the Patriots are the king of this division. Man, listen to this offseason. They traded for the baller, the stud, Brandon Cooks, man, the speedster. 78 catches, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns last year. They traded for defense in Coney Ely, who had five sacks for the Panthers. They traded for Dwayne Allen, 35 catches last year. They signed a versatile running back, former Bengals running back Rex Burkhead, and they also signed former Ravens defense in Lawrence Guy. <clears throat> and the biggest signing was resigning Dante Hightower, and they also signed Stephon Gilmore, who had five picks last year. So the big questions, man, there's not too many questions about this team. This team is loaded. Matter of fact, it's not even fair. I mean, this team just – this is just sick what they did, man. It's not even fair, man. They just, man, they 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 just having fun with this division. The rest of the NFL. Tom Brady even said he he told Robert Kraft he probably pay another six seven years. Well, hey, it's Tom Brady, probably possible. But the questions I just want to ask is, will the Patriots trade? I mean, will the Patriots trade Jimmy G to the Browns? I mean, I just want to see that, man, because we know Belichick loves his draft picks. They hurting right now because they gave up a first, second, and a fourth, um, two. Uh, um, you know, for uh, to the uh, Saints for Brandon Cook, so it's going to be interesting. Will he pull the trigger to get those draft picks back? And will the Patriots? When will the Patriots trade Malcolm Butler to the Saints? Because that's pretty much what's going to be going down with that. And that's pretty much it, man. That's all the questions I have for this team. I don't have any questions. I just got a statement, and you know I don't like to cuss like that. So fans, if y'all got a kid, uh, adolescents nearby, you got three. Two, one, before this cuss. Man, the Patriots gonna whip the shit out of people next year. Like that's like that's all it comes down to. They gonna beat the they gonna whip the shit out of people because I've never like how do you go Super Bowl champions and then just have an amazing offseason like they had, man. And on top of that, they're gonna get be getting back Rob Gronkowski. Come on, man. Like what the F <laughs> like they 
it, 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 this is just ridiculous, man. They went fourteen yeah. and two last year. Their quarterback was suspended with the first three games, four yeah. games, something like that. They still four, went four fourteen games. and two and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And now they just brought in all this heat, all this talent. Come on, dog. I know, like, Chuck. I know. It's gonna I be know. ridiculous. And Gronkowski yeah, it, coming back, man. Just think, yeah. Gronkowski is coming back, dude. Oh, I know. God. I know. All right. All right. But anyway, fans, Patriots, man, you guys ain't playing fresh. Just stop it. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Do not trade Jimmy G because I can't see Belichick getting more draft picks, man, because we know what he loves to do. But anyway, hope you enjoyed the show, fans. If you missed the show live, always go to iTunes. Look for the Nikki and Chuck uh, talk show and fans. We will see you guys next week, and we will preview and break down the AFC North. Talk about the free agency moves that those teams made in the divisions, and we'll see you guys next week. You be all right, B.